Hey, this is Daryl Strawberry, and you listen to The Daniel Baldwin Show. This is Anthony Munoz, and you're listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN. Hi, this is Bruce Smith, and you're listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show. Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, and you're listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show here on ESPN. Jim Kelly, you're listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio. This is Chris Berman, a.k.a. The Swami. I am predicting that you are listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Dean Kane. You're listening to The Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio, and so am I. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. A woman on the radio <laughs> Welcome to the big show. And can I tell you right now, Polly, Polly the Mole? Yeah, go ahead. How excited I am that Drew Brees set the all-time yardage record. How excited are you? Let's play like a match game. You know what? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Should we bring Alec in to host? <laughs> um, I am so excited. Well. I'm excited because it uh, it brings us to a tie. Colin Coward, uh, who picks for Fox, was three wins and one loss going into Monday Night Football against myself and my sister Beth. Um, Colin uh, had taken the Redskins in this game, and I, of course, took the Saints, which now means that we are three and two, three and two, and moving on to another week of picking on the Dan Levitard. Still haven't won. Um, you tied. I tied coward, yeah. but I had a winning record for yes. the week. That's good. So again, we're you're pointing out the negativity. We're improving slowly. It's unnecessary. I was, saying, I was saying we're taking baby steps in the right direction. I like it. Joshy Josh. I like that your sister Beth is the best prognosticator in the family. I liked your technique. You know, we were talking about um, techniques to use for this week. So this last week, we pulled up a picture of both opposing quarterbacks and had Beth pick by who she thinks was hotter. <laughs> That's how she came to it. What game was that? All of them. Um, on all of them. Oh. On all of them, we put pulled up the opposing quarterbacks, uh, who she was more attracted to or who she felt that aura and zen from. This one, I think we're going to go with cup bulges. Oh, see, I was going to do buttocks. Yeah, or, or we, could do, we could do butts. We could do butts. Who has the nicer butt? I like it. We might bring Joe Salzone for a tiebreaker. Hey, now! <laughs> Silence. I've never... How am I supposed to say to that? How's your butt rate against Drew Brees' butt? Yeah. <laughs> Just curious. Do you think you have a better butt than Drew Brees? Are you going to win the vote? I would hope not. I'm going to put you a quarterback. You're my quarterback, Joe Salsa. <laughs> <laughs> what is it when they do the, the the scientific studies and they have the one the one thing that the is control. the control? Your right. butt's going to be the control. The control, yeah. <laughs> We're based on a positive and negative, based on Joe's control butt. <laughs> Listeners now yeah. turning the channel. What yeah. are they there's, talking about? <laughs> there's variables and control. That's what it is when you do that type of survey and that test. Uh, Josh is here from the Orange, the Daily Orange, to talk about Syracuse football. And uh, you know what? Now we're moving on from that segment. Uh, <laughs> where do we go from here, my friend? I'm, I'm, I got to tell you. Monday was a burial day for me for uh, for this performance in Pittsburgh. I think Syracuse is in a similar spot that they've been in the last two years now, right? Which is they went on the road and lost a game that everyone probably thought they should have won, and now everyone's kind of off their high horse of Syracuse is about to be ranked, and Syracuse is better than we've seen in years past, and they're sitting in the bye week, and I think a lot of people see a similar team that they've seen the last couple of years. So we had, uh, uh, before we started the show, we started getting into it because I couldn't hold myself back seeing that you were here as our resident expert on Syracuse football. 
obviously defending the run is, is uh, you know, our Achilles heel. Um, and, and I brought up things that w- seem to be obvious. Maybe I have a, a football mentality that uh, from a, a playing experience that is too old to, um, to come up with solution for what, what they have, their problem is now. But I know this. Teams have effectively run the ball against Syracuse University. Whether or not they run a spread offense, whether whatever they run, it doesn't matter. We have not been able to stop the run. So bad has it been that there are teams that run for 300 yards against us. Individual backs that run for 200 in a single game. So the pass has not really substantially hurt us versus the run. And the run is a lot safer to do. It's time-consuming. It's more ball control. Um, and, and these guys are breaking each game multiple big runs. I mean, the, the, every game I've watched them play, it's not the 75-yard run that they have. It's the 6, 30, and 25-yard runs that they have yeah. that are really the problem um, because it's a game of field position. Um, and so I said things. Of course, this was a radical statement when I said, man, I'd go to a 5-2. I'd go to, you know. But, but they've got to do something to take this away from them. Um, it's just too easy right now. And so... Um, you brought up that there was that you know it, it may indeed be the linebacker play more than it is anything that and they're missing their assignments. Are there is the answer then to promote some of the younger talent that they have or well, how are we going to stop this problem? Because I would I have to admit I was the one that came in and said they're not going to win six this year. I don't think they're going to win six, and I don't think they're going to a bowl game again. That was preseason. Then, you know, like an idiot, I started following and, and four games in a row, and I believe then we get – I smell an upset in Clemson, and we, 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 sh- we actually should have won that game, um, and, but we didn't, um, which probably would have been worse for the program had they beat Clemson and then lost a bit. <laughs> would have been terrible. Uh, uh, that's debatable. But that, that, would have, that would have been terrible. It would, it would have been terrible, but I think the – you take the win in Death Valley yeah, over yeah, the number yeah, three yeah, team in the country. There, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I'm being facetious. But in my heart, it would have been harder to swallow uh, losing to Pitt. And it's it's hard for me to swallow losing to Pitt now. Um, so now I start to look at the schedule and I say, okay, so we're going to we're gonna beat North Carolina, right? We're going to beat Louisville, right? You know, But it, it opens the door for where I thought we, were, where we might beat Boston College and we might beat NC State. And I think both those teams run the ball really well. And NC State's still undefeated. So, you know, again, we're looking right at six probably, you know, if we can get it done and we're going down to the um, pinstripe something something at Yankee Stadium. Um, and, 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 and it is, you're right, it is what it is. But that's still not a lock at the way they're giving up yardage on the ground. What's the answer? Um. I think it's a great question because it probably doesn't have a definite answer, right? A lot of the issues, too. I mean, we talk about linebacker play, and when you rewatch the plays, like, yes, sometimes the linebackers are either just a little slow, and that's what allows the offensive linemen to get off their double team and get to the linebackers, or they're a little slow and they have to dive to make the play instead of being there to make the tackle, or they just kind of get eaten up by a lead blocker or something like that. But also it's just tackling especially the Clemson game, because Dino highlighted that after the Clemson game too. He said, listen, a lot of these issues are just simply tackling. And when you go back and watch uh, the Clemson game, ETN, the running back from Clemson, runs hard. And he ran through the first tackle on nearly every play, it seemed like. And 
half the time it keeps on getting to the secondary and those guys aren't making the plays either because obviously the line, if the line blocks all defensive linemen and all linebackers, that's a win for the offensive line, obviously. And then you say, I'll take my running back against your safety. And if you're Syracuse's defense, you need to win that battle more than they're winning it right now. And you also need to win some of those. So most of the time, Pitt had, say, five to block five, if that's what Syracuse had in the box. They had six to block six. You need to win one of those one-on-one battles and make a play. And they just aren't doing that right now. I don't think that changing personnel is the answer necessarily, though. Because you had three new linebackers coming in this year. Everyone knew that. All the linebackers graduated. And now you've spent six games trying to build these guys up. And then in a bye week, you take them out and put in a freshman or a sophomore that has no game. I, I get what you're saying, that like something needs to change. But I think probably trying to fine-tune some of those guys more that they're juniors and seniors, you might have a better shot than bringing in someone new that's also probably at this point maybe undersized or there's a reason they aren't playing I guess is my point and they haven't played to this point because those three linebackers have played more than anyone else in that defense even in routes they stayed in later than the other position groups well I'm you know that's the thing that becomes as you were pointing out speculative of of us going through this because we don't know the condition of the other linebackers we don't know much quite sure why we would assume they're undersized because they're younger um, but but with that said, possibly some combination thereof, like a rotation of a couple of new guys in there and see what happens. Um, you know, you look at the criticism that I uh, I had of Dabo Sweeney's just taking a senior like Kelly out and putting a freshman in, but at that point he he said, this is better for our team. You know, so I, I don't know if we have the personnel, but I was not, not thinking so much. That came to me, the idea of, of rotating different personnel and based on our, our conversation right. before we got here because you had identified that the linebacker play was, was part of a big part of what, what was wrong with Syracuse's defense of the run. Um, so I, I look at that, though, and I think it's more we just have to come up with schemes based on the talent that you have. So if you already know that you're missing, then you probably start plugging holes preventatively beforehand. So you look at their formations, you study their film, and you say, we're going to send two guys in the gap right now because there's a good chance they're running the ball between the tackles on this play. Here's my thing. And you stunt at them. You can get hurt by doing it. Right. You You don't want to stunt a zone blocking scheme. You get washed out nine times. That's what the zone blocking scheme is meant to do. Right right now we suck against the run. They will block their gaps. But what I'm saying is, in say, when Syracuse runs the 4-3 defense, you have seven defenders in the box. Mm-hmm. And offensively, half the time, if it's a basic zone, they have five people blocking. Right? It would be a right. center. And then some, probably that's not fair. There's usually six. There's a tight end or a fullback. But still, at some point, you've got to win a battle there and make a play. That's not... Well, they're not the, being set up for failure, I guess, is what I'm saying. Here's, here's what, my, what my first take on it was. And it was because I was watching Etienne. And so I'm down in Clemson. I'm watching this kid just have his way with us. And yes, breaking. But but had they gone to a monster back that shadowed the, the, the running back at all times? So you set a guy up that's either just to the right of the, guard, the center or just to the left of the center or right over the center behind the nose guard, off the ball, a linebacker standing position. And you just tell him, we're going to give up whatever you would normally do responsibility-wise. Wherever Etienne goes, go hit him. And I don't mean if he gets the ball or not. Every single time they call hike, you hit that kid. 
every single time. You want to take some of the wind out of that kid's sails. So, again, a really good example of this to have a monster back on their running back is Boston College. They should have their best athlete stand six feet away from the center, and wherever that back goes, he goes and hit and hits him every play. Every single play, he's got to get hit. So here's my thing, though. Like, there's an uh, like, I get what you're saying with that, but the offensive line is going to account for that guy. They account for him as part of the formation, like they would anywhere else. So he's standing yeah, over, yeah. say, he's standing over the center a little bit closer. That just means yes, that one may- of the guards needs to chip off the right, right, defensive right, right, tackle right, right. quicker. I'm not, and go I'm not get saying it. he's going to go unblocked, but when your only responsibility is to hit one guy on the field. That means if he gets the ball, he doesn't get the ball. So they're going to block for the play. They're not going to block to stop him from hitting the running back. So the idea is you want that kid to get blasted 26 times in the first half, with the ball or without. Not tackle him, wrap your arms around him, but hit him as hard as you can. And so what you're trying to do is slow him down some. Right. I, what you're saying might, back. could solve part of the run, run game issues, Right. but it's like anything else. So you... Maybe solve some of the running back run. What about if the quarterback yeah. pulls it? Right, what right. about if they throw a bubble? Like you're just taking a guy out of the defense. Right, right. right. So, so, so here's the answer to that. So, um, the water is leaking through a big hole in your house in the basement. The basement's filling up with water, and you're worried about whether or not it's going to affect the furniture and affect the oil burner. No, 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 no. no. There's a giant hole with water leaking into your basement that's filling your basement up. So much so, it's going to eventually do all those things probably anyway. You need to address the giant hole that's flooding in your in your basement. So what I'm saying is it's such a bad problem because we're not talking about 85, one back, and, and 60, another back, and you're giving up one. We're talking about 200 yards back-to-back weeks to one running back and another 100 to another guy. It's such a gaping hole. We might as well risk whether or not they're going to hit bubbles and pop passes and seam routes and and stop the gaping hole. That that's where where I'm at because we're not doing a great job with the linebackers and the. I'm I'm trying to take all the information you're giving me and right. slow this process down. Is it optimal? No, it would be optimal to have the linebackers do their job and do the best they could, and everyone play the scheme that 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 that, that Coach Babers has. But that's not happening right now. Here's Coach Babers on tackling. Well, I mean, it's, this, it's the same thing. I'm not going to talk bad about my guys, but it's a, it's a matter of getting people down. You know, when the ball breaks to the secondary, we need, we need DBs and we need safeties to make tackles. Just get them down. You know, just get them down. Now, on the flip side of that, our linebackers, okay, they shouldn't get to the secondary. Our linebackers should make those plays. And our defense, our defensive line is doing a good job of covering up gaps and canceling gaps so that those guys can come up and, and tackle on the run. And when they get their opportunities, they need to do a little bit better. Do you know that um, it, it's being taught now in the last, particularly the last five years, that when you think you know a tendency on defense, they're sending the defensive tackles and the defensive linemen to become offensive players and block the offensive guys out of the way to open the gap up for the linebacker because they think they know where the game is. So in other words, instead of having you try to hit and read the block where the play is going, they're intentionally sending the defensive lineman, push him to the left to open this hole up for our linebacker because he's coming out of blitz or he's going to gap fill or whatever. Maybe those are the types of things that we need to start to guess a little bit about. Well, that, that, that's how the run 
when you think about the zone run, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, so the way the play would start if it's a zone left is every lineman is going to take what they would call a zone step left mm-hmm. and take like about six inches up left and six inches to their left. And so everyone moves to the left. So naturally, as a defensive lineman, you're taught to fight across their face, right? right. So you go with them. Everyone goes with them. So do the linebackers who see the hole open up, and then they hit the cutback. And that's what happened against Cle- Clemson ran counter for <laughs> probably 150 well, yards by itself. Yeah, they counter trade us a bunch of times. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with one more thing before you go to break. If we're effective on the blitz 58% of the time, why don't we blitz every play? <laughs> we'll come back and talk about it right after this. I'm so excited. It's time for... Uh, um, I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control and I just can't... Uh, um. So what? It's unlistenable radio. You understand the me? Daniel Baldwin Show. So what is brought to you by... The Wildcat Sports Pub. Nominated for Best Bar and Sports Pub in Syracuse New Times. Best of Syracuse 2018. Love the cat. Last night, Luis Severino reportedly was late for warm-ups because he did not know what time the game began. Severino pitched three innings and allowed six runs. You know, this is not a so what. And and, and, and I'm hearing we can't confirm this, that this really happened. It whatever. happened. Yeah, it, it, it happened. And the team is trying to kind of cover it up a little bit because of how ridiculous it sounds. In my experience uh, with particularly pitchers in pro baseball. They're very methodical. It's done the same way. You're usually pretty superstitious. So for him not to know what what time the game was in a playoff game against the Boston Red Sox, I got I to gotta be asking, what's he doing in his spare time right now? Because that's really messed up. But he didn't rush himself. Like He still got his warm-ups in. It wasn't at a point where... Yeah, I, where I, he had to come out and he didn't get his warm ups. I just want to know. Is your microphone it, broken, Daniel? Yeah, it's it's got. I've got uh, EPD microphone. It's it's drooping. It reminds me of it's a very very large microphone, and it it's not uh, it's not <laughs> staying up. It reminds you of Joe Salzone. This is what it reminds you. Of. <laughs> what do you think about the uh, late to the? Uh, just how do you not know what time they? That does not, on the surface, make any sense to me. Yeah, that, that, that's my point, Josh. I mean, it, it's not like it's not a pretty big deal. You know, <laughs> you're the starting pitcher against the Sox at home. You've split the series and taken home field advantage away from them. You don't know what time the game is? Daniel, not even, like, think about just not knowing what time you're supposed to be at work on, like, a Monday. Oh, that sounds like every employee. <laughs> right. well, like, that's good. Well, but, yeah, actually, like, <laughs> well, again, again, and and so and so in the few times in my history that something I was doing on the side affected my my <laughs> being able to be, I would say it it required that type of situation for me to go. Oh crap! I'm supposed to go to work today. You know, like like I couldn't remember. So it does beg the question. What's he doing on the side, or what's going on in his life that he didn't know he was pitching in a in a in a, in a playoff game at Yankee Stadium that, that he wasn't sure what time or Fortnite, <clears throat> right? So so there you go, and and then you and then and then and then you can see why I might find that or jump to that potential conclusion, which would absolutely have an effect on his crispness and and how he's delivering a baseball as an athlete if he had been maybe out that night or 
sleepless for some reason or yeah so it does have an effect it actually does i want a ua i can't imagine not showing up for work not knowing what time it, i had to be there like could well you've got the master of that here with us today to give us his render his professional opinion joseph salzone who has is in my time of employment here um have gotten it from it's too snowy it's to uh, uh, i'm not coming my tire you know so you're you know You've had reasons why you did not feel safe to come to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but imagine showing up like... We're yeah, not going to have fun with this one. Like if I was late to a game, the broadcast would go out... Like the pitch, starting pitcher's kind of... In, now that I'm turning to your side. Like how do you not know what time the game's going to start? Well, that's what It'd I mean. It'd be like Matt Park sitting where the broadcast is supposed to be and me not being there with you. No, 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 no. Let, let, me, let me elaborate why this really jumped out at me. I mean, I pulled this story. I read as much as I, I looked at it. Now the organization and, and is denying that it even happened at first. Here's the point. I'm going to bed to, to last night, and I go, the night or the, or the day before is a better example. I have Bridge Street to do at 8 o'clock. I'm going to get up at this time because I'm going to have my coffee. I'm going to have a couple of eggs, and then I'm going to get in the car. It's this far from Del Lago to get to. I'm going to go to work first. Joe came in yesterday and said, hey, I noticed, because Joe does produces the morning show, and he said, I saw you through the glass. Why were you here so early? Well, because I wanted to get some prep done for the ESPN show to run over and do Bridge Street because I didn't feel I could service the ES. So that's all planned out ahead of time. And that's just doing my radio show this here. A normal human plans out their next day right, before they right. go to bed. In some, to some extent, in your head. Well, you always plan when you're getting up well, to start. Your well, day. let me tell you something. As a professional athlete, let's take this a step further. If I'm going to play in a game at seven thirty in the evening, Mister Salzone, mm-hmm. then I'm probably going to stay up a little later and sleep later that day, or I'm going to plan taking a nap. You know, again, isn't all this planned out for a yeah, professional but we athlete? We also are taking into taking the whole human aspect out of this so like he could have been doing something that they're just not wanting to make public you know could have been in the restroom he could have been getting a shot you know something could have held him up you know and or maybe like a just, family issue of yeah, some sort yeah, too fighting with did. his wife you know you don't know what maybe they just don't want it out there and that's why he was late he could have been in the bathroom for god's sakes for, for he, yeah, I've yeah, we've all been. It happens. Maybe you went to Taco Bell on the no, way. No, 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 no. So he, th- this is uh, again. Oh my God, what has happened to the world? What has happened? You've to never the world? had to go to the bathroom. No, if I'm playing in nope, a playoff Daniel game, doesn't go to the bathroom. If I'm playing in a playoff game and I'm pitching in that game and that game starts, I'm queued up on the mound, first pitch, seven thirty, and I know I warm up for this amount and I stretch for this amount. I'm ba- I'm getting to the stadium three four hours before the game. I mean, I'm like I'm not taking any chance of butterflies in my stomach, or I got to go to the bathroom, and I got to no. I'm I'm taking all that out of play. So is that just me over preparing? I didn't know. I, maybe during the break you can explain to me how you take going to the bathroom out of the play. So you think that he was there, he was ready, and then something went. Oh my well, tummy, and was in the bathroom for forty five minutes. I don't know. We don't wake know. up. What was he doing then? He, he he was doing something wrong. I want a UA. <laughs> Joe, what else you got for us? <laughs> All right. Uh, first base umpire Angel Hernandez had four calls reviewed in the first four innings, and three were overturned. Hernandez set to be the home plate umpire tonight for game four. Wow, he had four calls reviewed. So, so you, you this is what's terrible about this, you know. 
I, I mean, and granted, three of them got overturned, so there had to be substantial evidence to prove that he was wrong. There was one that was such a bang bang play that I, it was it was a fifty fifty call. You know what's interesting? I, I and I didn't even see it. Were most of them out calls that he called out and they said he was safe? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't see. I'd but love the one to see I it. saw was an out call that got overturned, and it was. I mean, the ball was in. It was going into the glove as the, you know, it didn't hit the hit the glove, but it was in right. the glove right. as it was happening. So well, was, well, the reason why I say that is because I find that when mistakes are made, the umpire has a tendency to go, yeah, like he wants to throw the throw the <laughs> hook and call him out, and they go through a big old out call, and then it turns out, yeah, he was safe. It, it that's why we have review, though. You know, but I, I guess they're going to review every ball and strike tonight. Uh, no, he's yeah. I was just listening. Now? His stats for balls and strikes are about middle of the pack, but he is horrible on the bases. Like he gets seventy. Got to do a playoff He gets seventy percent of his. Uh, he gets seventy percent of his on base calls overturned when they're so, reviewed. So, so, so the great thing about that is, is that if you go for an overturn and you miss it, but if you get it, you, you still retain that overturn. You still retain that that. Uh, um, um, protest. So this guy three out of four times got overturned in four innings. Yeah, I mean it sounds like it, it sounds like it, it makes sense just to challenge every call he makes. If He's, I were him, I'd show up late to work tonight. Well, how come he then, Josh? How come this guy? If you're a linebacker at Syracuse and your job is in, <laughs> is in jeopardy, or you're uh, you know, how come this guy's not gonna doesn't have to pass some type of percentage fitness or whatever, or he gets a boot. I mean, how do you? How, how are you? If seventy percent, if you're only right, if you're if you're wrong thirty percent of the time as an umpire, that seems like a lot, doesn't it? Well, seventy percent when he's reviewed, yeah. Which and think about from a manager's perspective, you only call for a review when, when you, you when think you, what's he's questionable, wrong. yeah. But, so but like that's, okay. that stat's like a little okay. Tough but even on but him. even but even even that stat. So if you're wrong thirty percent of the time that you're challenged. That's a lot. That's still a lot. I mean, ooh. Thank God no one fact checks this show. Are you kidding me? <laughs> How dare you? I'm, I'm right 99.9% of the time. I was going to do a Mr. Magoo joke, but is that too old of a reference? You were making fun of me for just turning 50. No, no, Mr. no, the Mr. Magoo for the ref, for the umpire. I get it. Thank you. Do you want me? Do you want do me to we, tell you do, honestly if I get it? Do you know who Mr. Magoo is? No. He was a blind cartoon character. <laughs> Voiced by Jim Backus. Yes. Yes. Thurston Howell III. Thurston. Floyd Mayweather apparently is deadly serious. It says here about fighting Manny Pacquiao again. A date has not been set, but Mayweather says that he'll have a tune-up fight in Japan before the rematch. Okay, so... Let's break this down. And Floyd, if you get to hear me say this, you know that I love you. Sure, he's listening. But I'm, or I'm sure he's going to hear that I said it. So, Floyd has an incredibly extravagant lifestyle. Floyd is one of those guys that has a posse of guys that are on the payroll. He's blinging it up, and Floyd is going to go to Japan because some guy in Japan said, "You know, we'll bring you here and pay you." $80 million to show up. <laughs> and he's going to get like nine endorsement deals while he's over there. And he's going to shoot a bunch of commercials. He's barely going to train. And then he's going to pick somebody apart and make that money. And set this fight up with Manny Pacquiao, which my brother Steven is the head of Manny Pacquiao's prayer team. He travels to every fight with Manny. Manny's a really devout Christian. Great. Manny is going to get his ass kicked by Floyd. 
gonna kick his ass. What what state is boxing at that like they need to keep doing this? Where like now we're just like watching old men fight. Like these these guys just aren't in their prime anymore. Well, I feel like we're watching Rocky Six. It's not new to the sport because we did this with Foreman. We did this with you know this has happened. It happened with Ali to a certain extent. The problem is it's like we were we we're going to talk about in the fourth segment about uh, um, golf. You know, when Tiger went out, there's no real true, you know, Tyson was the champ for a while. There's no real guy that's electrifying that makes you want to, you know, just jump out of your chair because he, he's charismatic. Boxing's kind of, and this MMA thing and challenging each other. That's why they love McGregor. That's why he's, he's got an affiliation with Ireland and, and, and he's got an affiliation with controversy. And although what happened with him recently in that fight was terrible. You know, that was terrible. That was really bad for the game. We'll probably have Randy Couture on the show this week uh, to talk. Randy's an old friend of mine, and he tweeted something out. Uh, and we had different insurance. Wow. <laughs> was that Randy calling in? <laughs> sounded so feminine. But we, you were talking, I was just got into this wormhole that George Foreman came back at the age of 45 to fight Michael Moore, who was 26, and he Humbled him. Foreman fought at fifty. Yeah, until he was, but he, Foreman won at forty-five. See, but right. a forty-five-year-old fighting a twenty-six-year-old is more interesting to me than I don't know how old off the top of my head Pacquiao and Mayweather are, but they're both old. Is my point. But here's, like they're he, both tired in round six, right, and looking right. at each other, and they're right. like, "Wow." But 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 let me say this: If Manny Pacquiao fought the three best fighters in his weight class, and Floyd fought the three best fighters in his weight class, Floyd would probably beat all three of them. He's still the champ. So he, he he's that good at 40. He's still that good. I'm not sure Manny's still that good, but the two of them look at each other, and, and the conversations that happen behind closed doors are very different than the conversations that happen on camera. These guys look at each other and go, hey, Manny, bro, what's up? Hey, guess what, homie? $80 million to you, 140 to me. What do you think? Now, Manny's not making $80 million. Manny, on the other hand, is just the opposite. If you look at track his money, he supports like an entire town. There's an entire town of like thousands of people that they all work for Manny. I kid you not. He supports like a, it's like some huge amount of people in the town. He owns the town and he is like the, the, the governor of the region. And so everyone works for him. Uh, he, ha- he has to make a hundred million dollars, you know, if he's going to keep up the show that he's doing. But, Mayweather's uh, worth seven hundred million to a billion dollars, somewhere in that range. And you know what? He spends. I I would imagine that Floyd's expenditures are several million dollars a month for sure. I mean, he's like a five to ten million a month guy. But that's you know, if you're ten million a month, seventy months is seven hundred million dollars. I'm <laughs> uh, not- I'm a uh, ten dollars a month. Yeah, you're a chicken I'm, McNugget Yeah, guy. I'm a value meal and a cup of coffee. You want to finish so what do you want to go? Yeah, no, let's, let's keep go. going. Over the weekend, the Timberwolves engaged in escalated trade talks with the Heat centered around Jimmy Butler, but the deal apparently fell apart. Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor reportedly pushing for his front office to get a deal done before the start of the NBA regular season. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, where's Jimmy Butler going to go? You know, he's he should have gone to Miami, but I hear spawned of this conversation is that Dwayne Wade and Bosch both want to come to the Lakers and play with LeBron. Oh my. Speaking of old. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 the conversation going on on NBA home. Insider. Wait. 
they're both bench players on that team, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, I think they're both bench players, but I think, well... Wade, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Wade, Dwayne Wade is obviously a good bench player if he's a bench player. Right, I'm, right. I don't know, I'm trying to think of their starting five and figure out if he's in that. I think you could start Dwayne Wade with um, um, they sell, Ron, with Rondo at do, guard. Do they sell purple and gold? Depends. I think Wade becomes your flash shooter. He would play isn't five Kuzma, minutes isn't on that Kuzma team. In that he would play five minutes on that team if that. You think so? Yeah, he's not. He's done. He's done. I heard okay. Kobe's coming back. I don't here. know. Actually, they, they talked to his wife. They got her on. Uh, no, you know what they wanted him to do? His ego is pretty big. They want him to play Ice Cube. Has been up his ass to get yeah, him to play in that three-on-three three league. Oh wow! And so that'd be and, fun. Well, you know what? To have him play on the LA team. To have him be in front of his head, they'd pack the place if he showed up. Right. So, yeah, there's, so there's discussion that would he do that. Got one more for us, or is that it? And finally, at long last, the Cleveland Cavaliers went through a lot of changes this offseason. One was remodeling their entire locker room and turning LeBron's old locker into a towel closet. That's just a big <laughs> F you to LeBron. I love that. You know, the, the, they could have put that closet anywhere. 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 So they decided <laughs> they, they to take... put that closet but anywhere. But what were they supposed to do? Just leave a shrine of the guy? No, just but just make it somebody else's else? locker. So instead, just to, just to accentuate and punctuate, yeah, good riddance, they carved out the stuff that holds your, your jackets and everything else and turned it and put shelves in and turned it into a towel <laughs> I think it's great. I love Cleveland. Yeah, good. Who cares? Wow. He's gone. Listen to that. If he wanted his locker to stay the way it was, he should have stayed there. Is that a hot take? No. Okay. Ice takes are never hot. Lukewarm. Let's let's go to break. We'll be right back. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. This hour of the Daniel Baldwin Show is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria and Baldwinsville General Dentistry. Go to sleepwellbville.com. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Is this the stuff you listen to at home? Oh, yeah. This is you, isn't it? Yeah. Do you dance around like an ape? Yeah, when I'm vacuuming, yeah. pick my dog up and swing her around. Hell I totally yeah. see that. This is Paulie on the way to work. He is. And a snowstorm pulled over. Yeah. My underwear at the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going back like to my club days, going to Club Atlantis and Club Chameleon. <laughs> the country club, We're picking up the ladies. My Cavarici right pants. <laughs> oh, God, it's so bad. oh, I had to beat him off with a stick. I was so hot. What happened? Look, at I, you, I'm you, a mess. You are. Well, Who ever taught you to keep wearing these ball caps? You talk about. You make fun of me when I go sleeveless. Ball caps when you were a little kid to play baseball. They're not now anymore. Let it go. I like and, wearing and ball caps. You have a handsome full head of hair for your age. You might want to put that on display. Yeah, that's. <laughs> We got Neil in here. Oh, we got Neil in Yankee here to talk expert. about the Yankees. Neil. <laughs> Idiot savant. Neil. <laughs> Thank you. Just terrifying. Just glad to be here. Uh, <laughs> you know what's really funny? Having Josh here on the show is like having Josh here. They do their report, and then they just play with their phone check the entire out. time. Yeah. <laughs> they totally check out. He has no idea what we're talking about right now. What did we just say about Neil? You made fun of him for the Yankees game. <laughs> close enough. It was pretty close. Um, 
so he's kind of in the way. But jo- our other K Rock, Josh, is the best. He's over there playing like sorcerer games on his computer. The best is when we're on the road and he's in here. You know, he's got his feet up and he's sleeping. Oh my God. When was the one time we caught him asleep? <laughs> he literally, we're, we're, we're at Barclays Center doing the ACC tournament. And we go, What do you think, Josh? We just, I just threw it at him anyway because he hadn't said a word in a half an hour. And he, went, he literally went, Huh? <laughs> <laughs> he totally, he made the noise of somebody who just got woken up. It was classic. Are you got. Three minutes here to get this segment in. You'll go. Yankees baseball. It was a combination of bad pitching, bad managing, and absolutely no offense at all whatsoever from the Yankees. <laughs> that, that's, how, that's how they lost that game yesterday, in my opinion. So that's you how know. you lose 16-1? Yeah, that's how, that's how you lose 16-1. Hold on. So you're saying, let me get this correct, <laughs> yeah. they didn't pitch well, they didn't correct. score runs, and the managing was bad. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, elaborate on where the managing was. Bad. Boone should have pulled, shouldn't have put Severino, and he should have pulled him sooner. He shouldn't have put in Lance Lynn when the bases were loaded. Someone who's not used to that situation because Lance Lynn was originally a starter when he came to Yankees. He's in the bullpen now. He's not used to it's situations playoff, like it's that. It's playoff baseball. You got to suck it up and do your job. Yeah, but you should have put in a reliever. Someone who's used to having the bases loaded. But in 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 the playoffs, you know if you've been put in that, you're going throw to strikes. be in that position. Throw yeah. strikes. I'm still stuck strikes. on that solid take of bad pitching and bad offense lost the game. <laughs> Listen, I know. I think I think I'm, I'm, I'm so I think I'm about to beat that with a hot take. You ready? Is on the way. You ready? Now I want to see if I can earn a hot take. Okay. You ready? You now ask now ask me. Why why did the Yankees lose, Mr. Baldwin? Well. Obviously, Boston scored more runs than the Yankees. There you go. See? That take was so high. So, what's going to be different tonight? Are the Yankees going to win tonight? I really don't know because Adriel Hernandez is behind home plate. Uh, Making excuses No, but him and CeCe Sabathia have a history with each other. Earlier in the year, CeCe Sabathia got into a verbal altercation with him. And he might get ejected if he does the same thing again tonight. They're not going to eject him in the playoffs. Oh, Angel Hernandez would definitely eject him. He's ejected fans before. Oh, my God. Look at he ejects for... everyone. I have never so seen... So your prediction on the game hinges on the home umpire? If Look at the emotion. Yeah. If you're watching He's Facebook awful. Live, his face is so angry. Yeah. Why are you so angry? Because they Hernandez. lost. But it's only sports. <laughs> but, but so you're projecting that the Yankees are at a disadvantage <laughs> is what I'm hearing. Because of the umpire behind home plate. Yes. He's wow. the worst. Wow. That's why Joe Torre didn't want him in postseason with, games, but he sued MLB. With that said, would you I, fight him? I am going to put 50 <laughs> drac modes on CC tonight, and I think it goes absolutely perfect behind home plate. Doubt it. All right, we got to take another break. We're actually, we're done with the show, I think. No, we got one more <laughs> second. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Picks that me. And, and like, there's some bands that are so far fetched. This even... is Breakfast Club, right on track. I want all music approved through me. <laughs> we need to update some songs. You need to go away. <laughs> Forrest, let's hold on to this. We're going to talk about Patrick Reed tomorrow. Thirty Gosh. seconds. Josh, oh my God, I hate when you do that. Do it with your hands. Don't interrupt me. You do the thing, the sign language, the Helen Keller thing that you do over there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. One D. <laughs> <laughs>
You don't pay attention to me anyways. I just like to do it because you ignore me. So I made the offer coming in more than just one day a week. <laughs> I, see, I said yes. And so when are you coming and in? What, when are you having? Like, I am a guest. You need to, like, tell me what day. Let's do Fridays. Okay. Yeah, let him come on. Friday's a big day. Let him come in on Friday and just throw it up with it. He's got more sports knowledge than any of you schleps. Friday at 10, I'm here. Friday at 10. Done. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the show. You want to throw your fingers up now or you want to leave me on?